0: Today's guest is Julia Roberts of DecodingCreativity.com. She helps writers learn more about how they think creatively so they can understand their best approach to the age-old problem of writer's block. This is useful for all people who approach creativity, especially when their stakes are high. She has a master's in science, creativity, and has learned how to think free and help others do the same. Please give a warm welcome to Everblessed, Julia Roberts. I would like to apologize in advance for the muddy recording and microphone difficulties. Thank you and welcome Julia. Um, I am so glad to have you here and I I, like I said I was I'm honored to have you as a guest because um, you know this is something that I know a lot of people have struggled with. I know they've probably had it in their mind just rambling around in there somewhere some of the things that they've they have encountered in their lives and they really want to express it through writing and, and their creativeness um, creative thought and so forth so i like to also know a little bit more about you before we get started it's for the listeners to know who Julia is on the news for like yourself you you're doing your books You have three books that you have be published. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like that, in that aspect, like how did a person get to that point? So I wanted to kind of do the the leveling, the plane of uh, that we're all human and we have our journeys. And these are normal walks of life. People who have beautiful journeys and how they got from there to there is just sometimes left out and omitted from people photoshopping their you know,
1: <laughs> their their um, histories. They their history go back out and erase the struggle. You know, I exactly. think um, yeah, just very important mm-hmm. for us to know that. So yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah, great. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for uh, listening into my uh, listening to my podcast too. Uh, I I feel, feel honored that you actually enjoyed listening to some of my previous guests, and I'm glad that you yes. were able to sign up with me because. Um, It's an honor. Sometimes I feel like I'm like, am I getting anyone, anyone out there? Hello? You know, I feel like an echo is like, responding back, like, it's just me talking. But um, I love when they have that option where you can look back and for the wrap of the 2021, where they actually showed you how many people actually downloaded your podcast. And I'm like, Um, I was expecting maybe two for the whole year, but I got uh almost a 1000 people that downloaded my podcast. So to me, that's like the first, like first year on. And I'm like, holy cow. And this is all organic. I just like word of mouth, social media. And um, I didn't go for those people who do like those iTunes managers. I'll boost your, your Mm -hmm. listens and stuff like that. So I want people to actually enjoy what they listen to and not just be pushed into it. So
1: Mm -hmm. Um, good for you. Cool. I used to have a um, podcast on a thing that was called a workplace network it was part of their health benefits that they could tune into this podcast channel and get um mental health anyway so i talked about parenting and yeah it was in relation to my uh, second book motherhood to otherhood and i did great mom radio so I, that was all managed and stuff that was i don't have any idea how many people <laughs> listen to to it i just i just did it <laughs> i mean in that in that case i got paid they were having doctors and things like that oh, so okay then, Huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, um, so
0: was that part of uh, you starting with something and it is kind of rolled up into, Hey, we want you to be on this radio.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you do what you want to do. People see it in the world and it's surprising what kinds of things it turns up, mm-hmm. but start with doing with what you want to do because then the things that come your way are great, you know, <laughs> are things you want. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I didn't anticipate doing a podcast. I'm like, I'm a voiceover artist. Like,
1: why would I want to think
0: of doing that? So Uh it's it's just a, a little bit, but I was like, I have this experience and it felt like it was just the right thing to do. I'm in the voiceover industry. I'm working with customers who are, who are business owners who are looking for a voice to you know, kind of be the, the peacock for their company where they're able to deal with the competition and have a voice behind their commercial. Or um, there's a lot of YouTube creators who want to have a person who is a narrator. I've, I've done a couple of those.
1: So they mm-hmm. wanted to have
0: something unique. And I'm thinking, well, I can't reach every single customer. And I just started the industry and I was a DJ. So I'm like, why don't I just spread my options of working with others who have gone through the same journey as I have who are struggling with businesses who who were previous who are currently artists or musicians who are you know Mm -hmm. so I just thought that was a kind of an interesting thing it just fell on my lap so
1: yeah yeah yeah. I mean even Hollywood people will say that to you they had no idea what they were getting involved in they knew it was cool they liked it but they didn't know it was going to be whatever it was, Harry Potter or, you know, whatever major mm-hmm. sleeper hit, you know, people are always surprised by, this is why when uh, my clients say, you know, I-, I wonder if it's any good. And they do. Everybody writes who writes wonders if it's any good. But I say to them, you know, who are you to judge? I mean, it's absolutely arrogant to think, you know, what the world needs, what your talent is, because it's all such happenstance that you just write what you want. You get it as good as you can get it. You get professional help to edit it. You get professional help to get it out in the world, and it has a it has a life that you obviously you gave it. But after that, it started living. It started just marching along and being itself in the world. And so you really can't tell what it is you're writing and how far it will go or what it will become. You, you know, you really it's it's almost arrogant to assume you know your own talent or to that you can tell if you're any good. Right? You know?
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had a couple of people who have come across me and say, you know, um, behind the scenes of my videos that I have with my guests, I clip that completely out because it's just like a long-winded story about my past. It all depends if, the, if it's hitting on the subject of the discussion during the, the recording, but um, a lot of people would say, oh my gosh, you should write a book. My, your life is like so amazing how it just has so many mm-hmm. different levels. You seem so, you know, all this inspiration. And I'm like, I don't even know how to begin. There's so many layers of me mm-hmm. and how I've literally, I felt like I've gone to the chrysalis stage like four or five times.
1: <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but you know, chrysalis is a really good uh, metaphor. One of the things that people don't realize about like, oh, like an inchworm or a worm going into the cocoon is they don't just like sprout legs or wings. Like we were talking about earlier, they literally, um, just turn to goo Mm
0: -hmm. and then they
1: reform into the butterfly. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you think that, you know, if we think of a chrysalis in our own lives, we think of like just wrapping up in a blanket or something, or like just giving up for a, a, a day or a week or a year, whatever it is, watching a lot of TV, whatever, whatever we think of as a chrysalis, but you literally have to allow yourself to go to goo. And we don't really do that. We really kind of protect ourselves in our current form Mm-hmm. right? Because we feel like we, now we're really going to lose it if we go to goo. And obviously that's a metaphor, but <laughs> you're not going to go <laughs> to goo physically, but you do have to let whoever you are go in the chrysalis before something new forms. And so I just, I think a chrysalis is a really great uh, metaphor, at, but I think we underestimate the power of that chrysalis. There's like this pressure and, you know. <laughs> exactly. Anyway.
0: No, no, mm-hmm. you're you're spot on on that. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I really want to hit on the subjects that you had here because I think you said some of the topics you wanted to discuss on was, yeah, creativity, wishing for a creative career, and doubting yourself, writer's block. Oh my gosh, I think I had it. Like <laughs> I'm having it now, and I'm having it like forever. But I've always wanted to write a book, and I feel like it's gonna be one of those. 2000 pages scenarios, (laughs) because I just have so much to say, but I don't Mm -hmm. even know where to begin. So like, um, and other things were on how to create with more ease and satisfaction. So I have just, I can probably hit off on some of the questions just to get to know a little bit more who Julia Roberts is. So tell us exactly who is Julia Roberts?
1: Well, we all know the other one, the famous Julia Roberts, so I won't go there. Um, And I won't make that joke, right? Because everybody makes that joke. You have a resemblance, for sure. Oh, for sure. It's all done with mirrors. Yes. Just the Photoshopping
0: and what we just discussed. Like, everybody does it. I think I even do it, too. Like, the extra filter to make my freckles disappear. So, Uh, yeah. Can
1: you make me look like Julia Roberts?
0: That's interesting. You never know. With all this technology, they can make anybody look. I could probably look like... um, Oh, my gosh. Uh, one of those models, those catwalk models, I would probably lose about mm-hmm. 70 pounds and just look perfect. So, no, I'm perfect the way I am. But yeah, I mean, I like it? me, but I would have to
1: lose <laughs> like 30 years, I think. Thirty years. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, so, you know what? I'm a writer. I've been a writer my whole wide life. I mean, I, I just was like writing stories when I was young and my mother left typewriters around for us to write the great American novel by the time we were whatever, 13. But I grew up and I felt like nobody's going to, I wasn't allowed to write. Like the gatekeepers were really strong. And I think a lot of writers feel that way. You're not allowed to write um, or nobody cares about what you want to say. or um, mm-hmm. well, you don't have anything important to say. It's all, it's all a uh, self-worth kind of dialogue in your head, but supposedly I'm a writer I mean, I was trained and brought up to think I was a writer. So um, I was trying to write throughout my 20s and 30s. um, And I was doing marketing work, which I I, I worked as a brainstormer for about 25 years, where I would just be called in for ideas on any given topic. um, American Express, Heinz Foods, Purina. I mean, um, Avon, I, can't, I mean Burger King, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Diet Coke—like a million clients, a million clients—and they weren't my clients. I worked for agency, so I'd go in. They'd give me a brief, and we'd brainstorm for two hours. What, um, and what I didn't understand about myself was um, that I'm really an ideator. I mean, I just thought, why does anybody else go into an office after this? My God, you have to take phone calls. This is fun. You know what I mean? There's pizza, there's M&Ms, there's Frisbees. I don't understand why why you guys just keep going off to your offices. Why wouldn't you just stay here like me? You know, <laughs> I would just stay in the conference room all day long and different people would come in and give me a brief and we'd just shoot ideas. But I, So we tend to think that whatever we do well, everybody must do well. Like, right? Because it doesn't cost us a lot. So um, anyway, that I was doing that for a lot of years and I still was trying to write on the side and I was one of those people that um, everybody knew I was creative, but nobody could figure out why I didn't make progress hmm. and do something great. You know, I have great ideas. Why didn't they come in? Because to... I was stuck in that ideation phase and that, that strength just got stronger because of my profession. And it wasn't until I got my master's in creativity at Buffalo State College that I started to see creative thinking as this cycle, um, which started starts with clarify, ideate, develop, and implement. Clarify, ideate, develop, and implement. That's the cycle. And that cycle is um, big and small. So you'll do it just to name a chapter, or it'll be the big cycle that it takes to write a book. You know, Clarify, ideate, develop, and implement, right? But, um, but for me, my strength was obviously ideation. But what I didn't realize until I was assessed, and there are a lot of creativity assessments in the world, uh, the science of creativity is not new. It's been around since the 60s and even the 50s. So it's not like this new hot thing. It's just people don't talk about it that much. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I got assessed and I realized that what I don't do well is clarify. Hmm. So I just would do an idea because I loved it. And I loved all my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't like clarify what it would take or if, if I could finish it or if I had the help I needed, you know. So a few months later, I'd be like, on to the next idea because ideas were cheap to me, but I didn't realize how much time I was just not, I was just wasting because I wasn't clarifying my ideas. So when I saw that score, literally like clarify, ideate, develop, implement, you know, (laughs) um, I started to understand that I just needed to um, adopt clarifying tools Hmm. and use them and use them when they feel awkward, use them when I don't think I want to use them anyway because they pushed me to clarify my ideas and choose and choose, which is very hard for a big ideator. I hated to choose, but you have to choose. So I started, instead of just sort of going in a spiral, I started going up, you know, like I built on something and built on something like we were talking about before, um, you know, you do something like you put a book in the world and other opportunities come to you, you know? (laughs) So, but if you don't put that book in the world, the fact that you had that idea, does not create a storm you know what I mean nobody really shows up and goes that was a cool idea could I invite you to speak at our thing or you know be on our radio show people um uh, radio show that was back when I was on radio show (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) but um so when you put a book in the world and you staked you staked a territory my first book was um well my first traditionally published book was motherhood to otherhood and so that put me on great mom radio which um was a radio show on, uh, in, in, it was called a workplace network. Mm-hmm. So it was, they got it on their computers. It was before the word podcast existed. I think they got it on their computers and it was part of their um, health benefits. They could listen in on relationships or cancer or, you know, carpal tunnel syndrome or whatever. And I talked about parenting in the workplace, like, you know, that work-life balance. So I would say for me, what I am now is activated because I figured out how to take these great ideas, figure out which ones will work for me in my life. I've also sort of just grown into um, being okay with exactly who I am. Like I don't have to do anything that doesn't fit who I actually am. I don't have to aspire to something else. I can just fit this person and that'll keep getting you know bigger. But mm-hmm. so that's who I am. I guess I'm a coach um i was certified as a coach and then went on to learn about creativity coaching
0: nice, nice. So i feel
1: like that was like the coaching kind of gave me peace between the ears like i could just settle my mind mm-hmm. and the creativity coaching kind of gave me this purpose like why do i care about coaching but then I, the masters came third and it just gave me this power tool that i felt was worth bringing to writers and using myself
0: so. Oh, wow. Well, I have an additional question after the, after I've asked all the other questions, because I think there's definitely other people who probably have the same ideation, you know, the goals that they have, that they like to do the same thing that you are. Oh. So now I, I think there's another question that I, I'm just going to throw out there, because I think this is um because everything that we we want to be, we want to become always starts just like a little seedling planted in our minds as children. So mm-hmm. what, besides, you know, the, I love that the, you have the little typewriters everywhere where you can have that, that's almost like a seedling, like a little sprout in your mind and, and ideas as, as to what you wanted to be, or give you that idea that you be great in something fruitfully available for you in the household. But um, I know everybody. Doesn't start off to be like, oh, I see a typewriter, I'm going to be a writer. Um, But what was that? Was that something that you had to drive for, or was there something else that had caught your interest in the process of your journey to becoming um, more involved in as a creative writer with your books and your um, getting the masters in create creativity and science? Um, So there's always someone starts somewhere. What was that thing that? not everybody knows about
1: hmm. to be honest i was i can remember watching bewitched as a kid oh cool yeah so bewitched had her husband darren worked in advertising and he always had to come up with ideas and sometimes um what was her name samantha would have to help him with ideas because he didn't understand women <laughs> um, <laughs> but i do remember feeling like you know i would like to be an advertising copywriter because of that show And when I went to interview for that in my 20s, it was not really possible because it was just so full of itself and masculine and marketing was much more feminine in terms of who got those jobs and things because it was it was the stepchild of advertising, which then shifted in my lifetime. Marketing got more dollars. Advertising got fewer dollars, you know, but but that's how that was. And that's what led me to becoming a brainstormer in terms of, um, and I, you know, I did that a lot of years. It was a profitable and good thing for me to do in terms of being a writer. I just think I always had, um, maybe it was just pressure from my mom, but, um, you know how you, sometimes you have a pressure from your parents to do something and it grows up and you grow up and it fits. And sometimes you grow up and I think about age 28, you think, what the heck am I doing? You know, (laughs) why am I, I didn't want to be a doctor. (laughs) Um, So I think, I I do think a lot of people reassess it about age 28, where they just go, I am on the wrong track or I am. So where I want to be or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was just pressure from her, but I do know I had a lot of story ideas that I wanted to write. So I, to be honest, I wanted to get published that, that little sort of, sliver of fame and validation i really um and i I say sliver because you don't nobody knows what writers look like or care very few writers are actually famous pd eastman james patterson very few you know Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just that validation maybe too i think a lot of us crave validation of our creativity
0: yeah and that's that's one way of doing it um i know that i our parents like to live vicariously through us and always have these hopes and dreams of us becoming, you know, that doctor, mm-hmm. that lawyer, that, you know, mm-hmm. or handling the the family business after they're gone, kind of a scenario. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of had a little hit tidbits of those different things, that uh, ideas that kind of came across like I just mentioned about how children are encouraged (laughs) I'm saying encouraged softly because I know there's a lot of pressure involved in in our in parents telling their
1: children exposure though too yeah I mean you know you see your mom at a computer these days my mother was an electric typewriter day after day or you you know she's writing stuff it's just it's also just by um example think Mm -hmm. of all the if we looked at a Hollywood um like starring list or whatever the IMDb What percentage of those people had parents in the industry? A lot, Mm -hmm. 80, maybe, you know what I mean? The easiest way to get a part in a play is to have a father who had a part in a play, you know?
0: Exactly, yeah, i noticed that a lot.
1: So that's exposure, that's, there's an inherent talent thing that people assume talent is inherited. So that's, you know, so that's there. And then there's the encouragement and just bringing down that gate, the gate is high you know, the gatekeepers are high, high and mighty. So if you, somebody can bring down that gate a little bit, that's a big deal.
0: Oh yeah, it is. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's, I will definitely keep that in my pocket of a uh, more additional information that I need to teach my children. Um, Cause I know my son, like you said, he's it's an encouragement. He sees me doing voiceovering Yeah. and he actually is like, you know what? Like they have a very high, level of interest in the voiceover industry that they're looking specifically for kid voiceover artists and um and he does this wonderful different types of character voices because I that's how I used to teach him when I was reading books to him I would do the voice of the kid and the father and the mother and a duck and
1: whoever oh, who else is in there that, parent that everybody wishes they had <laughs> yeah. of the like, and then the lady went down the street yes <laughs> so it's like put me to sleep already <laughs> i think mm-hmm. they had the
0: right idea of like if i if i had those voices they're like read it again read it again i'm like oh man, what did i do to, to deserve this now should have had that monotone voice when i when i thought of it so yeah <laughs> mm-hmm, but yeah mm-hmm. for sure that's um Thank you. And uh, I know that's something that a lot of people are always questioning about, you know, I know some of the listeners that are listening to this podcast, they are wanting to know, like, how do these people become from, you know, from zero to hero in other people's eyes, and even to themselves as in their, you know, growing and being having a trial and fail and success goals. So uh mm-hmm. but I wanted to also know like are was there any other resources that you that really helped you on your journey That you mm.
1: as a writer it really does help to have a day job I mean I <laughs> think people say that you know don't quit your day job is as an insult but in essence um Elizabeth Gilbert I don't know if you know her she's the author of Big Magic which and I Pray Love but Big Magic is her book on creativity hmm. and she says that um you know, she would never have expected creativity to support her. She expected to serve it. She considers herself a servant of the idea. And I think a lot of people get bitter and or quit on their ideas when they feel like it's supposed to uh, make them rich or famous, or even just pay their bills. Now that's not to say you cannot make money creatively. I mean, the publishing industry is $8 billion a year. People are making money, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But my first book, I got an advance. I couldn't have lived on that advance for a year or anything. It took me more than a year to write it. It's a, it's a zero-sum game, right? It's, and it, so you don't really, um, very few people make a good living writing just books. Some people do. I mean, uh, people are doing it more and more on Amazon, particularly Mysteries, Romance, YA, those books have a genre reader that is loyal and comes back to you. That doesn't mean however that you quit writing or that writing is not worthwhile. Most of us, I think, write to organize our lives, understand ourselves, tell a story or retell a story or re a story from our own value system that we need to understand differently. I know I, I'm just happier when I write. So I just write, I write most days. Uh, mm-hmm. And ha- have I made money at it? Of course, you know, have I made enough money to live on? Don't, don't quit your day job, Um, you know? (laughs) Yes. Do I think I might ever have a book that is a blockbuster, becomes a movie? Yeah, quite possibly, how do I know? You know, I'm writing to that end. I'm writing to be as big and amazing as I can be because that's, writing is also a stage. It's not just a, a notebook where you widget things, you know, writing is a stage. So how big can you be on the page? How amazing can you be on the page? How crazy can you be on the page? How much can you let yourself go? All those things factor in to um, who and why people want to read your book, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Yeah. you never know. And like I said, I I think it's ultimately arrogant to think, you know.
0: Oh yeah. We don't know. I mean, but like, like everyone wants to have, they, they want to have that, that blockbuster and anybody can do it. I mean, so I'm so glad it that I'm it It is a meritocracy.
1: To... It is absolutely a meritocracy, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It is the story that pulls it forward. It is the characters that pull it forward, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. When you see a new movie that's based on a book, it's always by somebody you never heard of. You know, <laughs> who two weeks ago or four weeks ago was like you had a job and, you know, in an office with a computer, just, you know, and now they've got a big hit. Yeah. So look at Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't love that book, but that was a self-published book.
0: Yeah, wow. Mm
1: -hmm. I don't know. And now it's, isn't it eight books? It's certainly three movies, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, no, um, I wouldn't know. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I don't love that that book, but
1: that's a success story, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It found its audience for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this definitely did. um, Because I know Mm -hmm. that when I'm on Amazon, there is a for voiceover artists, there is an ACX that's feeds into the Amazon and that's where the voiceovers get jobs for doing the audiobooks of different books. So, oh, yeah. Well, so I, yeah. yeah. So that's what I've been doing. I have done kids books. I've done mystery books. Um, I've kind of stay away from the erotica side. Mm-hmm. That's just my preference because sure. I don't want to be late. It's that. your
1: personal <laughs> time and energy. You don't need to put, creativity is something that um, is so personal and so, not limited, but yours, Mm -hmm. you don't have to give it anywhere. You don't want to give it. There's no reason for you to put your heart and soul into something corporately soul-sucking erotica. You know, these choices are utterly about you and your life force and where you feel like putting your life force. This is why, like, so I said, I got my master's in creativity and everybody I graduated with just even four years prior, four years after, because it's kind of a tight knit group. Nobody was taking that information to private creators they were taking it back to corporate creators you know like boardrooms or brainstorming or they were taking it to schools and hoping to run their art classes better but for me i felt like i know a lot of people who need this help this has helped me enormously so that's why i bring all that to writers it's just as useful to visual thinkers it's just as useful to musicians but i know i think like a writer so i can help them with this these tools you know that's but um, but I don't know anybody else who's taking it to a private group to a, a group of individual creators. Yeah, so that's,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. that is definitely something that I I would love to know more about because I mean that's just a whole world uh, outside of my own little my little box of ideas and creativity on this side of dimension here. So. Um, but I also just wanted to know as well, like, tell me about a time when you created a unique idea or solution and it was rejected by your colleagues or by the corporations mm. or by, um, like you said, the, the, your classroom, if there was an, an instructor or a teacher, whichever, um, that you, you might have had brought your book or ideas to and how, do, how were you able to bounce back?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, book ideas are things that get rejected more often than accepted, so that's a good one right there. Um, and it depends a little bit on how much you've put into that book idea. So, with a nonfiction book, you're permitted to just write a outline and a first chapter with your proposal, right? That's okay. that's what that's what publishers expect to see. Mm-hmm. So, if it gets rejected at that point, you're not you're not out that much, right? I just don't have it in me to outline something. It's not um, how I think I'm not a real linear thinker that way. So I always have to write the book and then outline from it. (laughs) Um, so so by the time I'm bringing something to the fore, I've written it because I don't have it. I don't have that ability to think, I don't know. I have to be immersed and things come out and, you know, then I can go back and say, oh, that's the, that's the structure. The structure came Mm. from me, but, um, at any rate so I my first book that I was um, pitching was motherhood to otherhood and it was rejected a 100 times at least wow before you know somebody before somebody picked it up and I remember I was just driving to my sister's and my phone rang now this was 2007 or 6 maybe my phone rang in the car and I'm like and I talked to her and stuff I pulled over and I go to my sister's I'm like my agent called me on my cell phone it was just like such a Hollywood moment to me you know (laughs) In Maryland, I was, but you know, the idea of like I have an agent and a cell phone was all too. Much. <laughs> <laughs> and she wants to, you know, she wants to co- contract my book. So you know, so that's a that was a big breakthrough. But I had already put out letters to at least a hundred agents who didn't yeah. have an interest in it, and there was one group who I really wanted to represent me. And they wrote me a very long letter saying, keep writing and ended up, but we're going to pass this time. And I just, I kept going back to them going, really, really, you know, with, with new points and whatever. And they were like, hard, no, babe. (laughs) Hard pass. (laughs) So you just had like, I mean, it was like, oh, I don't know if they don't want it. No one will, because, you know, they actually loved it. They just were saying no for business reasons. Mm-hmm. right so but so depending on where you are mentally you can take that as it's good they've validated or you can take that as i'm rejected mm-hmm. both are true <laughs> so where do you go from there what can you embody for the first embodiment is always going to be i'm rejected the second embodiment hopefully can be it's good you know mm-hmm. right it's and just enough. just so, keep pushing, anyway. yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> I did write back to them like like a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> Are you
0: really really sure? It's just your final answer? <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm, they were a big agency. I just felt like it would be a big book if they if they represented it. Yeah, that may for maybe sure. not be true. But anyway.
0: Well, so. it's it's uh you know this company zero, but Julia one. You know, so I mean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who knows? It did get published. I've, you know, I'm on to the next. <laughs> right, right.
0: So I, I think this this question is a little bit. Um, I know I just kind of threw it in there, but um, what does the word innovation mean to you? Mm.
1: So creativity and innovation seem to be twins, mm-hmm. but to me, innovation is a, a word that has to do with a process or um, an outcome. So to me, innovation is much more about um, probably business mechanics process incremental change okay does that seem true yeah i think that
0: was and i think that's probably what i wanted to go for was to say because i've been i've been using the creative analogy here but i i wanted like i said i just threw
1: that in there for push it push towards (laughs) innovation to me me, creativity (laughs) is um making something that's new and valuable Mm
0: -hmm.
1: something that's new and valuable in the world is a is a creative moment. Now you can be creative in a non-valuable way, um, and is that creativity? Yeah, it really is. But so I think innovation has a has a price tag attached to it. It's it 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 it, um, it improves X or Y, and creativity is um, can be far less at, in context. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think when things are creative in the world that it, there, it's very similar to innovation, but I think an individual has a lot of creative moments that have no value to anybody, but maybe their husband or themselves or a baby. I mean, you can be very creative with a baby and nobody cares, but that, that moment cares that moment that the baby cheered up or the baby quit crying or that the baby learned something about love, you know, whatever that can be a very creative and, um, It doesn't have a uh, doesn't have a value uh, Mm -hmm. attached to it. That's that's um, contextualized. It's just your own value. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I'm not
0: going to go there. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. This is this is where the the magic happens. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) What is the most creative project you have worked on? I'm going to
1: say, with all the humility I can muster, I'm not a very humble person. But um, (laughs) myself, that just Mm -hmm. that idea of building who you want to be, protecting who you want to be, and putting it in the world in a niche that you perceive is the most creative thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to write a lot. I work with writers four days a week. I'm literally in a writing session for one hour, four days a week. So I've engineered my entire life around helping writers, but also personally writing. I wanted to be able to write. I was extremely frustrated. And um, I went through three training courses to get there. I'm about to go through a fourth, which is really a publishing marketing keyword kind of course to it. But you see, the cycle is you have to build, you have to keep building and you have to keep building, not scattershot, but based on what you really, you have to get back to your values every time. What do you really want personally? And that has to be okay with you as a way to earn a living. You know what I mean? Like, sure, I should be helping homeless or peace on earth or, you know, sure. I should have a greater mission in the world if I were a good person, but a good person, I think gives the world the gift they have that is themselves as, as broadly and vulnerably and ably as they as they can. So just accepting your mission that somehow God gave you or you were born with, and putting it out, and continually um, showing up for it is is a really the most creative thing you can do.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, and I know that I also wanted to hit on your organization or your company is called Decoding Creativity, correct?
1: That is, mm-hmm. I should have
0: started that off the first start, but because um, I wanted to ask is like, how can you inspire your client's creative side? And I think you probably hit on it a couple of, of other things, but I don't know if you wanted to throw in just a little sprinkle of extra, if you like, uh, I mean, without, without, without giving them the secret, the secret recipes, whole ingredients, because you want them to come to you. And I, I'm,
1: that's my <laughs> whole goal. I mean, the, the secret recipe is, is support. So you know what I mean? Like I can tell you how to lose weight. It's fewer calories and more, more activity. Right. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you don't need help to do that. So how do you write? You write regularly. Like it doesn't have to be every day, but it's regularly. Um. So you can keep the, the book staged in your head. So that's why you want to write regularly. Also, you, um, you learn how to shut down the trolls in your mind. Mm, um, yes. And that's, you know, and you um, understand your own creativity and its, and its value in the world, like how to lean into who you actually are creatively, like your creative thinking style, lean into that and st- instead of thinking uh, like me, I could easily think to myself, I'm a terrible clarifier. And that could be where I stay the rest of my life. I'm a terrible clarifier. Cause I am a terrible clarifier, but does that matter? Um, yeah, it matters because I need to address that either by hanging around clarifiers and letting them do my clarifying work or by using clarifying. So once you identify where you are in this, how you think creatively, you can just pick up tools just like, like aspirin and it'll help you be who you want to be creatively. So, it's, so there is no secret sauce other than good constant application of, of um, it's almost like creative hygiene, you know? <laughs>
0: Yes, exactly. That's a good analogy. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as I I just also, I was looking at your guest form and I wasn't sure what you referenced in, in regards to the, you said you go to an actual writing conference or, or workshop once a week. I believe it's as much for an hour. Uh, does we that, actually does, have writing
1: hours as part of my, I work, I help people over the long run. So, okay. So um, that's six that's, months or a year. So we, in the course of that time, it's called the mighty writers club. Okay. In the course of that time we meet to write, um, I think right now we're going to be at five times a week that are offered where you hmm. can show up and there's people, you know, and you have a little prompt and then you write, it's just, um, a way to get over that resistance to writing. It's a way to structure your day around a time. Uh, it's a way to make progress. If you write an hour a day, you're really going to make progress on the thing you're writing. It's a mm-hmm. way to just like um tell your kids and your husband and your dog or whatever this is my writing time it sets that boundary because there's other people you know <laughs> I, I'm busy you know <laughs> <laughs> exactly so um we show up we just I give one prompt for six minutes we don't read from the prompts because that's not what we're there to do if you really love what you wrote, you can put it in the Facebook group but we just go from there straight into writing it's just a warm-up mm-hmm. so um And it's an optional warm up. Some people know what they're going to do and they just write, you know, they don't do the prompt. They just move on. So that to me, that's what I'm saying before. It's like a little bit of creative hygiene. It's writing regularly. And then I, we, that same group has a monthly um, a bi-monthly two times a month meeting where it's either coaching or training. So I'll train on plot structure or a creativity tool or, and then coaching that's really where the tools come in more when somebody has a problem. I'll lead them through and everybody gains from listening to somebody else's um, needs because, you know, and then, but everybody also gets a little bit of minute to get some help.
0: Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Now if the listeners are interested in knowing more about you and getting into these classes, how are they able to contact you?
1: So literally that is at Mm go.decodingcreativity.com slash mighty.
0: Okay, I'll put that in the show notes for them as well. So then they'll be able to go to
1: awesome. the link directly. Yeah, that is, that's like a page where they can read all about it. But they can also just, from there, is there a place? If I, if not, I'll put it in. Like they, they could just email me a question too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, in the lower thing, I think it always has a, a way to contact, right? I think it does in the footer, a contact, right? So they could just ask a question or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. You know, I think people really don't understand the value of writing in their lives because we always value things in dollars and cents. And if you just think of it as mental health, if you think of it as the creativity that starts flowing and then it flows in other places in your life, including in your job or in your cooking or in your, how you're raising your kids, creativity, once it's invited in, can't be held by the book you're writing. It starts to be everywhere because your brain starts enjoying it. If you are right, if you have like what they call writer's block and you can't get yourself to write, don't think what comes next, what should I write? Think to yourself how it feels when you're writing, like literally, like that feeling of how it that that feeling of what uh, what Shits and Mahai called it flow. Flow is that time when you're immersed and you lose all sense of that is kind of like sex for the brain, you know? So if you can remember flow, a time when you just were so in it and grateful and writing. you can, your, your brain will want back in. You'll start right away. You know what I'm saying? So instead of going, am I writing? Where, where am I? What am I supposed to do? Just think, how did it feel last time I wrote? And then it'll get, it'll get you right back in. Interesting.
0: Wow. I love that. Tidbit. Thank
1: you so much. It's Wonderful. It's a really nice talking with you. Yeah. I, I think you've got, I mean, yourself, you're doing such creative things. It's really exciting to kind of peek into your storybook, reading with your kids and your, you know, voiceover, Ambitions and what it takes to do that. I mean, you know, I think when people are living their authentic life, it is always intriguing to others. Just is because it's like, it's like flow. We want in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much. Yes, yes. And like I said, I, I, it's been an honor, Julia, to have you here as a guest. And
1: um, thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: You too, Julia. Have a wonderful weekend.
1: You too. All right.
0: Bye -bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Noise Blue Zion podcast. And if you enjoy listening to my podcast, please don't hesitate to give me a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Also wanted to give a shout out and thank you so much to all my guests, past, present, and future. And stay tuned for the next upcoming episode on Fridays.